Hello. You are listening to the Carol Connection. With your host, Jerry Carol. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out my last episode, episode 128 with Josh Troiano. He is a high school football player. He's in his senior year. He's been on the podcast twice, and one of my favorite guests, and like the fact that I've had him on twice should say enough, because I've had only a select few people return for the podcast so far, which is great. Talked about his senior year, talked about the Thanksgiving game, he talked about being recruited. He's going to play D1 football at Stonehill. We talked all about that process and what he's excited for. So you can check that out, thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. If you'd like to watch your podcast, you could go on YouTube to search The Carol Connection or search Jared M. Carroll. It should pop up right for you. Um, and if you want to be a guest or return as guest, please reach out to me on Instagram at Jared M. Carroll or at The Carol Connection. And we'll set it up. I try to do a few weeks in advance to kind of like make sure things are organized, but just do that and reach out and we'll set some stuff up. So that brings me to today's episode, episode 129 with David Pedro. Uh, David Pedro. Thank you very Pedro, much. Pedro, sorry. It's all good. Okay. Um, so tell everyone kind of who you are and what you're doing currently. Uh, my name is David Pedro. Uh, I just graduated from Bissell Community College with my general studies associate's degree. Uh, I plan on pursuing a career in real estate. I plan on starting uh, my real estate school next month. Um, and in my free time, I like to play music in my band, Sue's Garage. Awesome. And shout out Zach. He's been on the podcast. So yeah. I'm trying to get the band one by one, guys, and I'm trying to separate it so it's digestible for everyone on the on the listening side. But when I like to start off my podcast, I told you a little bit about family dynamic and how I like to start that off. But for any new listener, I like to tell them why I do it just so they understand it's partially because it's we're talking about your life here. So I want to establish the the kind of the foundation basically and sure. build upon that. Right. So for the people listening, that's why I do that. And for the return listeners, sorry, you have to go through that spiel every single time, but I always like to cater to the new audience because you're a new guest as well. So whatever you're comfortable with sharing... Um, I'll like kind of like take the lead with family dynamics. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was born to my mother and my father, obviously. I lived in East Providence for the first couple of years of my life before moving to Seekonk. Um, and I have one full biological sister. And then when I was around five or six years old, my parents ended up splitting up. Um, my mom stayed in Seekonk for a while. My dad lived in Pawtucket. So I grew up kind of in Seekonk, kind of in Pawtucket for probably five to 10. Around that time, my father moved back to Seekonk and my mother moved to Cranston, um, where I went to school for fourth grade through eighth grade. Um, she moved in with my stepfather, who's a great guy. And then my father ended up remarrying to my stepmother. Um, from my stepfather, my mother had two more children. Um, my twin sisters who just turned nine years old and my father, my father, my, well, my stepmother, not my ex stepmother, because they ended up getting divorced as well. Actually. Um, she had two daughters with one man and two sons with another man. Uh, those two sons, uh, are now 23 years old. They're also twins. And uh, my father actually ended up adopting them. So they became my half brothers legally instead of my stepbrothers. And after my father and my stepmother got divorced, um, they remained my brothers, and I still refer to my two stepsisters as my sisters, even though legally they're not related to me anymore. But we have a close bond, so you know I see them every now and again, you know, around town and whatever. We always have a a good uh, conversation. 
Um, and nowadays, um, I'm living with my mother at home in Seekonk, um, and with my stepfather and my, my two sisters, my three sisters actually, but she's away at UMass Amherst most of the time. Um, also around town, I have my mom's brother, my uncle's family, who I'm incredibly close to, and my mother's parents, who I am extremely close to. My grandfather is my best friend in my whole life. My grandmother um, is somebody who I can look up to for anything I'd ever need. She's one of the kindest, most warm-hearted people you've ever, you'd ever meet in your whole life. And um, I love them very dearly, and I feel very blessed to be able to, to have them as such an instrumental part of my life, uh, even going into my 20s. Yeah, so did the going through like divorce and stuff as a young child, like how did that affect you growing up? Did you feel um, anything that was like harder, maybe making friends or whatever it could be possibly? I don't, I don't know. But like, I'm wondering, was it difficult and did you, or did you not even realize at that age and maybe did it kind of like rear its head a little bit when you got older? Sure. It was definitely a difficult thing at the time, but I don't think it was, you know, like emotionally difficult at the time. It was more just upsetting because, you know, I grew up in Seekonk. I have all these friends in Seekonk and all of a sudden I need to move to Cranston, uproot my whole life, make all these new friends. And then um, going into eighth grade, move back to Seekonk and restart that whole process once again. So that was really, you know, the only hard part for me at the time going through those difficult circumstances. Um, but it also kind of instilled within me that that love is a choice and you know that you know, you you feel love for somebody you make that choice every day to remain with them and um there's no such thing as like a a true love or like a like a hollywood fairy tale love story where something's kismet and it's happily ever after you know relationships are going to be difficult relationships are going to have trials and tribulations that you as a person in a relationship need to endure and you know have a level head through in order to come out on the other side with the person that you love so much and, uh, yeah, so really it's, it's taught me a lot of life lessons just by watching the processes of, you know, divorce have to take place and the understanding the relationship dynamic between, uh, my biological mother and father, as well as, uh, my mother and my stepfather and my, my father and my ex stepmother. So, yeah, it's, I'm glad you brought up the point of love is a choice because that is like, I totally agree with that. And especially nowadays where, um, there's so many different options between social media and dating apps and stuff like that. It's like a different generation with dating and the different mindset is like completely thrown out the window. The way that our parents grew up and what was expected of them is completely different than what's expected of us going into this generation. Right. And a lot of people don't have those values. And a lot of times they do come from broken homes. So they don't really know what to emulate in their relationships right. because what you see growing up and what you're around truly does affect you as a person. And if you don't know how to, uh, to like recognize those things and those behaviors and how to adjust and learn to cope and not to lash out or like use the trauma as like an excuse right. to hurt other people, sure. then it could become like a negative thing, but you have to be able to address that stuff. And a lot, a lot not a lot of people are like self-aware enough to acknowledge that. So it's nice to hear that you're, you've been able to kind of separate that and look at that from your, your home situation. Yeah. You, and at least in terms of that relationship, you got to find the lessons in everything in life. And that's no different, you know, watching something difficult like that transpire, especially at a young age. Sure. You know, it'll have an effect on, on who you are subconsciously and it'll resonate within you for 
every relationship you ever have, it'll be a piece of you that you, you witness something like that during developmental years. But as you know, a maturing person being able to reflect on those past experiences, um, you need to find the lessons in order to grow from them in order to, to not just become a victim of your own circumstances, you need to realize, okay, you know, this is what happened in these circumstances that I witnessed growing up and as traumatic as they might have been, or might not have been, you know, you take what's learned and you apply it to your own life and your own relationships. Um, I've been with my girlfriend for just over five and a half years now. So we started dating even when, you know, my father and my stepmother, that was still a very difficult situation for me to, for me to go through. Um, and she's somebody, you know, she's my better half. She keeps my head on my shoulders and she's just somebody that for over a quarter of my life now, I've been able to, to turn to when times are tough and, uh, and she always has my back through anything. So I'm just lucky enough to be able to, to, to find a circumstance in which I feel comfortable making the decision to stay with her every single day, no matter what that means. And, uh, because I have such, you know, a deep understanding of the ins and outs of, of relationships, even in adulthood from those experiences, uh, with, with both sets of my parents, it's helped me a lot in my own relationships, not just this one. Obviously this one is by far the most successful relationship I've ever been in. Um, but with every relationship I've ever been in, you know, I try to apply those. Sure. You know, it's not always easy. Um, but, but having an understanding of, of adult relationships, and, you know, what can go wrong when and what these the person across the table from you means to you is is critical and evolving as a couple. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, congrats, congrats to you guys for, for having this long of a relationship these Thanks. days. Like, that's definitely a difficult thing to do. And like it goes back to the choice aspect. Like you guys choose to choose each other right. and choose to be there because like loving someone's not easy. Like right. it's really difficult and it's it's hard to love someone when they go through all the bad stuff, when they're having a bad day, when they're being mean to you. It's hard to love right. someone when they're being mean to you. Yeah. So like you have to learn as especially as you mature and age and like you have to go through things and that's mm -hmm. something that people will be afraid to get into relationships because they don't want bad experiences, yep. but like realistically, you kind of need to experience some stuff that is going to like force you to change and grow a little bit. Right. And not enough people will go through those things. You need to learn how to disagree with them. You need to, you know, how to facilitate arguments and how to facilitate disagreements and, uh, and, you know, come out on the other side of those, you know, stronger than you were before, because sure, there's going to be, you know, really difficult ones and really tough circumstances to have to go through, but you need to always remember that you're on the same team as that other person. They're not the enemy. And it's you and the person against the situation. And it's just you have to work through that situation, come out on the other side better than you were before, and learn from it. And uh, and like you said, it's it's not always an easy thing. You know, uh, we, you know, we both went to college. A lot of relationships don't survive college. And we just, you know, we made the decision that that college lifestyle, you know, going out partying all the time, uh, potentially hooking up with all these different people, that whole, it's not even close to worth throwing away what we've built over the course of so many years at this point. So it's important to us to, to work towards, you know, to, to the life that we have together up until this point. Yeah. I think one thing too, that people don't do is ask themselves, what do you want? Right. Like, what do you want in a relationship? Where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? And like, yeah, everyone doesn't like that question where you are in five, right. 10 years, but it's important to like check in with yourself and ask yourself, do I just want to be hooking up and going out drinking? Do I yep. want to be in a relationship? Do I want a family and kids? Like these are important questions to ask yourself when you're going to involve yourself with someone else because you're 
potentially could make or break their own life. You don't want to ruin someone else's life because your own indecisions right. and like lack of self-awareness to acknowledge that you might not want what they want. And not enough people will, will do those things. And I think it stems, some of it stems from lack of therapy. Some of it stems from, um, the, the way people are raised sure. and some of it just stems from straight narcissism. Like some sure. people just don't want to acknowledge things and that's totally fine. I mean, live in your own bubble, but I think it's important to, to address those things. I do want to take the next step with the the podcast and ask you kind of like kind of sports and hobbies growing up. Like what did you get into? How did you make friends? Like what did you, what kind of things did you enjoy doing? And I'll kind of bounce off with you. Sure. So uh, sports wise, you know, I started out playing T-ball and basketball when I was, you know, a very young kid. Neither of those stuck with me very much. I played on like rec teams and then I quit them all. And then I moved to Cranston and in the fourth grade is when I started playing football. And that's when I realized, you know, this is the sport for me. This is, you know, where I belong. I loved being on the field with my teammates. I loved the sport itself. I loved the aggression. You know, the whole atmosphere was just what I was drawn to um, year after year. And then I came back. I played every year that I lived in Cranston. And then when I moved back to Seekonk, um, they didn't have a team in uh, for my eighth grade year. So I actually ended up having to take that year off because apparently all the kids from Seacock played in Barrington. Um, and I didn't know that for whatever reason. So um, I, I had that year off is when I started lifting weights uh, very consistently. And then I played all throughout high school. But besides sports, um, I've always played guitar. Um, and that's how I really got involved in this band, obviously. But when I was very young, my uncle and my father... Uh, they were in a guitar playing and singing duo. They wrote a few originals, but mostly covers. They called themselves Blue Sun, and they both have uh, Blue Sun tattoos on them now, which is a, a cool thing. But uh, they were done performing in bars and stuff by the time I was born, um, or maybe a little after I was born. But I've seen videos of them playing out in bars and stuff like that, and that always fascinated me, just playing music for a crowd, you know what I mean? And uh, just like at family events growing up in some uh, uh, growing up. Uh, one of them always had a guitar in their hand. They were always singing a song, playing guitar on family vacations, uh, birthday parties, whatever. And uh, I picked up the guitar. I got my uncle bought my first guitar for me when I was five years old. And uh, so I've been playing for 15 years now. And, uh, you know, I picked it up and put it back down. I never really had any too serious of lessons. I was in guitar club when I lived in Cranston. And I was just like a, a room full of, you know, 20 fourth graders with beginner instruments in their hands with one instructor. And he was teaching the whole class all at once. So <laughs> I didn't learn all too much then. Um, but other than that, I'm entirely self-taught. Uh, when I moved back to Seekonk, going into high school, you know, when things weren't too easy with uh, the situation with my father and my stepmother, I started playing guitar more consistently as kind of just like something to focus on. Um, you know, if something was going on, I didn't want to be a part of, I didn't want to hear about it, whatever it was, I would just sit in my room, I would play guitar um, for hours and hours. And back then I was just uh, learning songs I was interested in, you know, I was really drawn to fingerstyle acoustic guitar because I like the intricacy of it and I thought it sounded pretty. So I started learning a lot of fingerstyle songs and that's how I really started, you know, getting better and better at guitar. Um, and then when COVID hit or when lockdown first hit in March of 2020, that's when it started getting more serious because uh, Zach, Elijah, Tyler and I all met at uh, the library in Seekonk when we couldn't be in each other's houses still. And we just played music together because all four of us played guitar. Um, so we didn't have any thought of joining a band or anything or starting a band rather. We would just get together for the sake of getting together with nothing better to do because we were locked in our houses. Um, and eventually, you know, we started coming up with our own little melodies on guitar. And uh, one thing led to another. We ended up in Zach's garage writing our own music. And here we are. 
uh, a little over two years later now, or just about three years later, which is crazy to think about. And we have two studio projects released. We have plenty of, you know, live show experience, downtown Providence. We've played, we've played art festivals. Um, we threw our own, you know, backyard concert one time. So it's, I never in a million years would have thought I would have played music live with a band because I was petrified of being on stage in front of people. Um, but here we are and here I am doing it and I love it very much. Yeah. So it, from an early age too, it sounds like that's where music was really introduced and it was allowed to like grow and develop and having gone through kind of like, a, I don't like to throw too much of the word traumatic experience in your household, like sure. kind of dealing with that. I mean, it is a yeah, tough difficult, situation. Difficult, yeah. Difficult, yeah. difficult situations. Perfect word. Um, having music to be an outlet and using that to kind of be your place where it kind of takes you away and kind of, you're able to focus on something and be creative. And I think right. not enough people nowadays have a creative outlet. And that was something that I struggled with for a long time was before this podcast, I didn't really have a creative outlet. And that's what kind of made me question myself and made me think like, Jared, like, what do you have? Like, right. what are you doing? Like, right. and I've, I've got, I've told the story many times about, I moved away to Texas and Georgia and that's where I kind of really found myself and I kind of really found my voice and kind of had to like really ask myself the hard questions of like, who are you and what are you doing? Sure. And when I asked myself, like, what, what value do you bring to the world? And obviously you bring value to your friends and your family and like your job to a certain extent. Like, obviously those are basics, but I wasn't creating anything. I wasn't like inspiring or speaking what I feel and helping others. And like, there was none of that. And when I kind of realized that it made me feel like shit. Like yeah. I was like, fuck, like I really don't know what I'm doing. Right. But that feeling of kind of like disgust with myself and like confusion made me dig enough to think maybe I could do a podcast. Let sure. me look, let me look into this, starting to look up stuff, look up equipment. Like, and I started going down the rabbit hole and I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do a podcast. Yeah. And now here I am. This is my fourth year of doing it. And it's Congratulations, like, by the way. thank you. And it's like, this is episode 129. Like I, I couldn't have imagined to ever hit this number. Like yeah. I never thought I'd make it past 10 and I started before COVID. Wow. So that was a huge possible like detractor for me was sure. like when I started in uh, like October of 2019, I started recording episodes and then I released in November and I was like cranking away. Like I probably, I think I got to like episode like 17, maybe actually like COVID was just like kind of starting to happen. And then I couldn't do episodes. Like yeah. I can't get people to do like guest spots in person. Yeah. And that really made me kind of like nervous. Cause like I was about to lose something I really loved. Sure. And then I found a way to kind of get creative. I did like a mini series with my cousins and like, I was still making content. Yeah, and it definitely. goes, it goes down to the point of having that creative outlet for yourself to express yourself. And yeah. music's a great way to do that. Definitely. Music really allows you to express yourself. And it takes time and it takes energy. And I just wanted to touch upon, you said how like COVID has started to make it really difficult to make the podcast. And I find that really interesting because my band and I, we were born because of COVID. If COVID never happened, we would have never started playing music with each other. And we wouldn't be in the band with the music created that we have today. And I find it interesting because playing uh, shows with other bands all over the place, we've talked to a lot of people and it really seems like it was a make or break time for a lot of creative people. Like if you already had a band going or if you already had a podcast going, um, it became really, really difficult to sustain that during the difficulties that COVID caused for people like you and I who have something to create. And uh, a lot of bands broke up because of, you know, the uh, difficulties that came with COVID. I'm sure a lot of people who are doing podcasts like you are, you know, gave up because they couldn't 
uh, get guests on and they never came back to it. So the fact that you were able to, you know, find something to keep creating content and push through that difficult time where you couldn't have somebody come down into your basement and just have a conversation with them, you know, face to face, that's really important to, to that perseverance that, that you need to have to, to create uh, art really is what it is, 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 is super important is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. But, it's, it's that. Yeah. It's um that whole aspect of creating something is yes. so important and it's the consistency. Like you, if in any aspect, I mean, music, podcasting, Twitch streaming, um, clothing brands, whatever you want to do in life, if you're not consistent at it, you will fail every single time. Yep. You don't have to be the best at it. You don't have to be the most creative. You don't have to be the most talented, but I know it's cliche, but hard work beats talent every single day. Yes. And like, the fact that you guys are still creating music and you use COVID as a launching board for yourself is really inspiring because like you said, it was a make or break time for a lot of people. And when I had to look at it and my content was like, I just need to make something. I just need to do something. So luckily my bubble included my cousins and I was able to get them on a podcast and nice, we just, yeah. we talked to like Tiger King and I think Brady was leaving the Patriots at the time. Sure. We're just Topical. talking nonsense, yeah. but it was to like keep me in the routine. And I think, having a routine around your hobby and, and like your creative outlet is important because with the routine, it keeps you fresh. It keeps you creative. It keeps you motivated. And like yep. when you, you're not doing that life kind of becomes stale, it becomes yeah, kind definitely. of boring. And I don't think enough people will force themselves in that situation. Right. In the fall of 2020, I was living in Boston. I was going to UMass Boston and a few buddies and I got ourselves an apartment that was just right off campus. Um, and that was, you know, something that, presented itself as a difficulty for the band and I, because, you know, they were all staying home. Elijah uh, is a plumber full time. Uh, Zach and Tyler are both working full time. They're not going to school right now, but I was uh, pursuing an education. Uh, so all three of them were home and I was up at school, obviously, you know, that created some difficulties, but, you know, we made it work and we pushed through, you know, whenever I came home on weekends for whatever reason, we would always make the time to practice with each other. And then they would come up to the apartment sometimes. And if it was just, you know, Zach and I on two acoustic guitars and Elijah trying to come up with some new lyrics, like we were always constantly trying to make like, forward progress with the band. And, uh, when I ended up moving home at the end of that semester, you know, the things just took off. I think Elijah, I could be wrong, but I think Elijah showed us the first lyrics he ever wrote in my closet when we were practicing one time in my, you know, my walk-in closet in my apartment that I had. Um, because, you know, it's just, it goes to show that, like, it's that perseverance, you know, making do with what you have in difficult situations, you know, to make that forward progress in difficult times. And uh, now, you know, obviously we are where we are. And uh, it's because of that perseverance through those difficult times that we were able to come out, you know, three years later with all the music we have now and all the, you know, it's not a crazy amount of success, but I consider it success compared to what we started with, all the, all the success we have now. And it's due to that perseverance that we all have uh, within ourselves and we the effort we put towards the band. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely a huge part is like, you might not be successful in the the financial aspect or the viewership aspect. Sure. And like, I feel the same way with the podcast, but like you are successful because you're creating something you enjoy that success in right. itself, because most people don't have a creative outlet. Most people don't create anything to be quite frank with you. Right. Most people are not creators of things. And the fact that 
you are and you're able to do that is valuable and it provides value. And that's something like, isn't it the coolest thing in the world where you can go on like Apple or Spotify and you could see your music's out there? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's just anybody in the world, you know, if they stumble upon it for whatever reason, they can just click a button on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, and they hear me playing guitar on a song. It's just, it's it's such a, a crazy thing to think about that, you know, I never would have thought we would have been here, you know, it's just surreal really to just, it, it's a, it's may not be, you know, as meaningful to other people as it is to the people involved in the creation process, but, you know, seeing the fruit of your efforts, you know, accessible to the world is, is a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way about like, if I look through even just like my Instagram and seeing all the different, the clips that I have of people talking, I scroll through the YouTube, I scroll through the podcasts on yeah. Apple and Spotify and like, to be able to see like my stuff out there, like my name's on it, the podcast and see all the different conversations that I've had. I wouldn't change that for the world. It's cool. It's just a cool feeling to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and you said something about, um, success being measured in, you know, like views or followers or something like that. When we were talking about, you know, you go on Instagram, you go online, maybe the numbers aren't necessarily there. Um, I was actually having, I was kind of obsessed with that for a little while when I was, uh, uh, Elijah, Zach, and I are the three uh, members of the band that really uh, run the the Instagram account, the Sue's Garage Instagram. And obviously, promotion is important, and we use the Instagram to contact uh, promoters and like merchandisers and things like that uh, as an entity. You know what I mean? So when I was still one of the people managing the account, I would kind of like hyperfixate on the amount of followers we had. You know, at a certain point, oh, is it you know over three fifty yet? Is it over four hundred yet? And, uh, if like it went from, you know, like 398 to 396, I would like click it and like try to see if I could find, like, if I know, oh, that person unfollowed, oh, I know they followed us and now they don't anymore. And I realized that's probably not the healthiest way to think about, you know, your success like that. And I realized that I was caring a lot about what other people thought of the music and what other people thought of like us as, you know, who we are doing the band and things like that. And I, that's why I kind of took a step back from, uh, from managing the Instagram and from being on social media in general is because, you know, I just want to make the music for me. I want to make the music with my friends that we are happy with in the end and give it to the world. And if nobody else likes it, at least we do. And if other people like it, then great. But it's just that, that I had to get rid of that, you know, that, that, that focus I had on, on what other people thought about it. Yeah. It's interesting to hear someone's perspective on taking a step back from social media because so many people are very like, integrated into social media it's a huge part of their lives and i'm like one of those people i was telling you like part of the thing that is like difficult with the podcast is i have to be integrating with social media and especially it's just me like i have to be the one to promote it i have to be the one on social media advocating for the podcast because like it's not only my podcast i'm advocating for i'm also advocating for every single person that comes on here and tells their story and I take a lot of responsibility with that, that someone would sit across me, trust me with their story, be vulnerable with me, share parts of their lives that they might not have shared publicly before. Sure. So there's a certain level of like accountability and responsibility that I have to have yeah. to present this in a positive way, to present this to as many people as I can to get the message out there because I'm a firm believer that everyone has a story. I believe everyone's valuable and I'm targeting meaningful connections. And I think when you authentically do that, it provides kind of like this positive wave and it's like the butterfly effect. You affect one person, that person can go affect another person and it just keeps going. So I look at it as that like, yeah, cool. I might get 
so many views or so many listens or so many likes on a post or so many followers, but like in the grand scheme, and I had to like take that step back for myself. Remember the first sure. year that I created the podcast and the Instagram, it's like, I'm gonna get a thousand followers on the page. How naive I was. Yeah, like right. I did not realize like how difficult it was to run a social media platform. Yeah, definitely. So I commend you for being willing and able to kind of recognize that in yourself, that you were becoming fixated on the number yeah. and like, all right, this is not helping me in a positive way that I can take a t like a step back from yeah. this and allow kind of like your band members to, to yep. take take that control. And I'm lucky enough to have band members that are willing to take that control like Zach and Elijah. And in, you know, today's day and age, social media presence is everything. You know, if, if one of our songs became a TikTok sound, it could blow up to millions of streams overnight. And, you know, we would have to put ourselves, you know, in in the limelight to be able to say like, Hey, here's our song, make it the sound in order for it to become a sound in the first place. And that's something that Zach has been really pushing for recently. Actually, he wants us to start making like kind of those like cheesy band TikToks or like Instagram posts, like, you know, like guess who our bassist is. And like, we all play the bass and you know, things like that kind of just like band content. Whereas I've kind of taken a different opinion as to things like that, because I feel like I don't want you know, my, my success as a musician to be determined by what, you know, all these people on TikTok see this uh, uh, five second clip of us and now they have their opinion and now they like the music. I want them to find the music organically and be able to say, hey, these guys are really good. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just that the, a little discrepancy we have in viewpoint um, because he feels that that those types of posts is something that we should be working towards. Um, but I've actually taken a step back of also uh, social media. I have Snapchat because it's one of my primary uh, primary uh, means of communication with friends and things like that. But, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the account still exists, sure, but I deleted the apps. And uh, not only because I was, like, focusing on how many followers the band had or anything, but also because I just found myself wasting hours every day on these apps where, you know, I consider myself an ambitious person. Uh, person. You know, there's better ways for me to be spending my time not, you know, scrolling through these 10 second videos to give my brain a little bit of dopamine at once when I'm bored in my room. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's all dopamine. I mean, yeah. people who don't say or at least don't admit that they're addicted to social media are lying to themselves yeah. or when they post that it's it's for themselves. Like, sure. It's not for yourself. Like if it was for yourself, you would have kept it for yourself. Like it's just a lie. Like if I make a post. I'm looking for some sort of attention or validation in some aspect. That's yeah. what social media is like. It's. It's hard for people to accept because like it is kind of dirty. People don't like that aspect yeah. of it, but it's the truth. And like, obviously part of it can be for yourself where, yeah, I look good. And like, you want to share that, but it's the sharing aspect where it becomes the attention part. Right. And if you can acknowledge that and accept that, and that's something that I do is like, yeah, when I get professional photos done, like I I do it partially for myself, partially for the podcast. And when I post it, yeah, I'm looking for some form of validation that they're good photos. Sure. Like, I want people to say that I, I look good in this photo. Yeah. And, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. People want to, like, stigmatize that and make it negative or, like, like attention-seeking is, like, a bad thing. But when I think it's just something that we all naturally do. We we all want to fit in with the group. Right. And I think that's been since, like, human history. Like, because if you get isolated from the group, yeah. you don't survive. Right. So I think it's not a negative thing. It's just people have turned it into that. And social media has like amped that feeling up like times like a thousand. So people look at it differently. Yeah. But I think being able to like step away and like knowing when is enough and like when you want to be a creative person, 
and you're using social media so much, it takes away from that. Right. So like, I commend you for being willing to like, Hey, I want to put more time into like my life right. and not on social media into other people's lives. Right. Josh said it best when I was listening to his podcast uh, that he did last week. Um, he said that like, just because somebody likes a picture or a post or something doesn't mean they like you. And that's just something that a lot of people, you know, they don't really recognize when when they're uh, using social media as adamantly as everybody does nowadays. They think, oh, you know, my post got 400 likes. That means 400 people, like, I have 400 friends. No, that doesn't mean that. That means 400 people saw your post and hit the little heart next to it and kept scrolling. And um, that's another thing that I had to kind of kind of recognize about the music when I was still managing the band account was that we would post, hey, we just released this new EP, you know, go check it out. If that post got 100 likes, that doesn't mean 100 people like the music. That means 100 people recognized they released the new music. It doesn't mean 100 people listened to it. They just saw, you know, they made this post, like, keep scrolling. And uh, kind of separating myself from, you know, expecting people or, like, uh, uh, having putting value in the amount of likes on a post have, I, I focus more towards, you know, people reaching out to us and saying, Hey, you know, you guys are really good. I like what you're doing a lot. You guys should keep it up because that did happen. A few people, you know, that we went to high school with that I would have never expected to even check out the music when it came out would contact us all separately and say, you guys are really cool. I really like your music. You should keep going. You know, that's the type of stuff that like, really motivates me as a musician that like I there's people that are out there that like really like what I've been creating I want to keep creating music for more people to like it and for the people who already like it to have more music uh to listen to and it's just that you need to separate um that feeling you get from you know somebody reaching out to you and saying hey you know you're really good from the amount of likes you get on a post because if you start caring about the amount of likes you get on a post it kind of dilutes that you know, actual genuine somebody reaching out to say you, you're doing really good right now. Um, because that focus, even if it's, you know, minor that you have on the amount of likes a post is getting is drawing away from the appreciation that you can have for somebody genuinely reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, you're doing really good right now. Yeah. hundred percent. People don't reach out enough to be honest, in my opinion. And I don't, I'm a big person of giving flowers when flowers are due and doing it while you're talking to someone mm-hmm. like, when I first listened to you guys' music, like I really did enjoy it. And I'm not saying that even like in a, like a, a corny ass way or Thank just cause you. you're on the podcast. Thank like, you. like, cause obviously you hear people that when they're starting out, they're never, sometimes they're not that good. Yeah. And like they're learning. But like when I listen to you guys, it's just kind of like, gave me kind of beastie boy, beastie boy vibes and like Beatles vibes. And it was just like okay. really dope. Like I just like liked the vibe of the music sure. and like the actual, the instrument sounded great. The, the vocal sounded great. Like I liked the lyrics, like every, you could hear everything clearly. It wasn't like too, like the, the instruments weren't too loud versus the vocal. Yeah. Like, like it was like really mixed really well. Like shout out Randy at Newcastle sound. <laughs> shout out. And it's yeah. like, I like, I mean, maybe I'm just a, a content creator. So I look, look at that stuff and I pay attention more maybe than the average person, but like you guys do deserve flowers. I'm, I'm always like, I appreciate that. Thank you. Trying to give flowers to people when they're, when you're talking to them. Cause yeah. not enough people, like you said, will reach out. They'll just like the post and move on. Right. And like, I try to be intentional with my likes where I like anyone with the, who's been on the podcast or been associated with the podcast or likes the podcast and has told me, I try to show love to their posts regardless of what they post. Sure. Like I, they could post something about fucking flowers for all I care, but I'm still going to like the post because I care about that person. And right. I'm big on being loyal and showing to support people who show love and just, like support back. So 
it even ties into our other points of just being intentional with social media. Yep. And I try to be like, pay attention to your algorithm, pay attention to what you watch. If you're going to be on social media, at least you should be paying attention to the things that you're seeing on your page. Right. Because if you're not, you're going to be watching a bunch of fucking nonsense. And like, it just can be, especially with TikTok, it can really drain you in and suck you in. And yeah. like, it's I love bad for you. Yeah. It's not yeah. good for you. And it, it goes into the point of the dopamine thing yep. where we're receiving so much dopamine nowadays from social media that when you, you probably noticed it when you removed yourself, you probably felt like an itch to like open your phone and go on an app. Oh, all the time. Yeah. When, so when I lived in Boston, TikTok, that was the last time I had TikTok. It was, you know, I would spend probably an hour and a half, two hours a day just scrolling away. I realized it was an issue. I got rid of it. And then eventually my brain found its way to Instagram reels. And then I was on Instagram reels scrolling the same way I was on TikTok. And that's when I was like, man, I really got to get rid of Instagram now too, because my brain's just going to keep coming back for more. And then it became Facebook because Facebook has reels and I would go on Facebook and find it. It was just that, that little click of dopamine that my brain wanted so bad. It would just find any way to get it. So I was like, all right, you're not getting any more. So I deleted all the apps. So there's no way that I can, uh, you know, fall into that trap because, uh, you know, it, it, there's an old saying, I don't know who said it, uh, but it goes, uh, the comfort zone is where dreams go to die. Is that when you start becoming comfortable in where you are in life is when like you stop feeling ambitious towards, uh, you know, big, big ideas that you once had. And I was spending so much time just scrolling away, scrolling away that like I wasn't making any progress towards, I could have been practicing guitar. You know, I plan on going to, to real estate school starting next month. You know, I already have like a, a flipping houses for dummies book and a different book on real estate that my family had gotten me. I could have been studying those books, you know. Um, there's other much better uses, you know, even strengthening relationships with my loved ones. There's just plenty a person can do that isn't sitting on your couch, scrolling on your phone for a couple hours every day. And, you know, even if it's two hours a day, you know, that's 14 hours a week. And then, you know, it just compiles in the snowball effect. And, you know, by the end of the year, you're hundreds, if not thousands of hours deep in time that you spent on social media that you could have been spending, you know, bettering yourself as a person. Absolutely. And if I would I would advise people to look at their screen time. Pay right, attention yeah. to that. Like mine's disgusting. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. <laughs> like I'm a avid social media user partially for the podcast partially for self-enjoyment sure. like i'm not gonna sit here and pretend that i don't use it and scroll tiktok and like all the random trends and videos and right. shit like that but you have to be aware of like what you're digesting in terms of like what you're watching what you're listening to what you're scrolling on social media and i give you a lot of credit for just like i said pulling back from that because i don't think a lot of people would have I don't think a lot of people would do it yeah. and like it takes strength. And I, I, I kind of want to ask you, what, do you feel like you're missing out on anything? Um, at first I did, but now not so much just cause it's been some time since I've gotten off of it. You know, at first, like, you know, I, I want to see, you know, like what the Sue's garage bed page is posting. Cause I have no idea what those posts looks like recently. I want to see, you know, what my friends have been up to. I want to see, you know, my girlfriend posts pictures of me and her, for her birthday, like I, my brain is like, Oh, what picture did she post? You know what I mean? But none of that stuff matters. And the longer you're disconnected from the whole social media trap, the more you realize that none of it matters. So like now, like, like understanding that I have that thought, like, Oh, what picture did she post? I know that it doesn't matter. So it doesn't like bother me at all. It's just something that popped into my mind for a second. Um, but at first it was definitely more difficult than it is now. I'd say the biggest difficulty I've had from separating from social media has been, having to do with the band just because like I said a lot of our promotion and uh merchandising and things like that were through 
you know, the DMs on the band page and things like that. And I liked being involved in the business side of the band. That was, you know, kind of my forte. I was the one handling, you know, all the money for the most part coming from gigs. We have a little, you know, a little purse. We keep all the cash in. But we also do have, you know, a bank account open in Zach and I's name specifically for the band in case we ever need to cut a check. Um, and I was the one that was in, uh, most involved in paying uh, for merchandise when it was time to pay from uh, the band accounts to buy new T-shirts or uh, to buy album covers or to buy new stickers and all that stuff. And I liked feeling like I was, you know, managing the business that I was a part of. Um but now my hands are kind of off of that, and I've kind of taken that step back. And obviously, you know, I could just set up the email for Sue's Garage to be more present in the space of communicating with promoters and merchandisers and things like that. But, you know, DMs on social media is really the easiest uh, a means of communication that we have as, you know, business-to-business -business communication nowadays. So it's how we set this up originally. Exactly, and then right? I, I realized I'm like, Oh, he's not I had to hit up Zach. He's yeah. like, Yeah, he's not on social media. I was I'm like, sorry Fuck. for that. Yeah. Uh, for those listening, we agreed to do the podcast on social media on Instagram DMS. And then before we had, you know, a date absolutely solidified and everything was when I took that step back. So then Jared starts hitting me up saying, Hey, what are we setting this up? Hey, what are we setting this up? And you must've thought I ghosted you. You must've yeah, thought that I, I didn't did. want to do it anymore. I was like, fuck. I yeah, like, man. No, I, I, I'm happy to be here. Definitely. And I'm sorry that I didn't even think about that. It was kind of just like an impulse decision. Just like, all right, I'm done. Like I found myself on it scrolling and I was like, I don't want to do this. Delete the app. Didn't think twice about it. I'm persistent. So I would, I, I found a way to find yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I appreciate you reaching out to Zach like that because it really did just slip my mind. Um, but I find that those difficult decisions to make like deleting Instagram are easiest when they're, you know, like a snap decision because you have that moment of clarity where you're like, I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. But if you keep, you know, the means to go back to doing whatever it is you don't want to be doing available, then, you know, you'll probably find your way to doing it again. And, you know, when I was in high school, um, I had vaped from time to time, you know, as most high schoolers do. And, you know, whenever I decided to quit, whatever that was, you know, it, it's, it, I made that snap decision. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it probably didn't even finish whatever I had just threw it away. And it was just, you know, cause you need to make, you know, when you have that feeling of this is something I don't want to be doing. If I stopped doing this, I would be bettering myself as a person. That's when it's the easiest, because if you procrastinate making that decision, it becomes harder and harder to make. Yeah. I think when you, it's kind of regressive behavior when you keep going back and that goes into anything, relationships, friendships, yep. like jobs like constantly like flirting with other things or doing other things like you can't keep going back to the past like you have to be forward thinking especially if you remove yourself from social media to go back just to check on stuff when you made a great point it doesn't matter like when you're if you think about just i know it's kind of morbid but being on your deathbed you're not gonna be thinking about oh what did my like girl post on instagram of us like, right, the exactly. other day? like it's like no one like no one cares realistically and that's a huge point to even make about social media when you're entering a creative space, if you want to, because like when you're first starting, luckily you have other bandmates to help you with the social media, which makes it easier for you to be a part, like uh, less a part of the social yeah. media part. But when you are creating something, social media plays a big factor in that. And Especially nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's your, it's your presence online becomes, I always say it's your resume. Yeah. Like, right. I always say it's like, that's a good people, way to people look at it and they, they make their assessments. So you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to post. And like, People like kind of like dog me for that. I'm like, I've definitely archived photos and made my Instagram look a certain way and yeah. have a certain aesthetic to it. Who and hasn't? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's for 
that purpose because I I'm one of those people that I believe it's a resume. Like when people look at my Instagram, I want them to be like, okay, I want to be a part of this podcast. Mm-hmm. This is something that I want to be like. I want to share my message on this story. So mm-hmm. like I also have to entice guests too and be able to be like point to my Instagram as my body of work. Yeah, be like this is what I've accomplished. This is what I do. Check it out if you want to be a part of it. Type thing. Right, and you say resume metaphorically but even literally like it can affect you know your your jobs that you're looking for in your future and things like that you hear all too many stories nowadays of you know somebody applying for a job that you know they're hopeful for and then being rejected because of something they said on twitter you know four years prior or something they posted on instagram uh that that didn't resonate with the company's morality for whatever reason and you know it's just it's easier to just step away from the space than to to be involved in it altogether. Yeah, I mean, digital footprint's real. Right. Oh, like, yeah, definitely. I don't think enough people, especially young people, don't truly realize that. Like, when I was growing up, I was able to grow up with social media. So, like, we had AIM. I was, like, just right kind of with MySpace. Like, sure. I never really, like, I had one, but I wasn't really allowed to have one. Sure. But, like, I was able to watch the progression of these these apps. And I feel for these younger kids who are really coming up now, like, especially going through middle school and going through high school. With the TikToks, with the Snapchats, with Instagram, where these apps really dictate like your your social presence within the school and outside of school and with your your friends. And I really feel for them because it is difficult. You do compare naturally. I mean, right. even outside of social media, when you're looking, say you're in the gym, you're yep. gonna you're gonna compare yourself to other people. It's just natural. We do that as like a risk assessment too, as human right. beings. To say, oh, is this person a threat? Is this person <laughs> not a threat? Like we're always comparing ourselves and. Once you kind of like, you got to be really, we've been talking a lot about social awareness and like self-awareness on the podcast, but it's so important because if you can't analyze what's going around with other people and within yourself, you're not going to be successful in life, period, no matter what you do. And you have to be willing to define success for yourself. If success is finance, great. Is success viewership, great. Is success putting out 10 albums, great. Whatever it is, like you have to define what success is for you because it's different for every person. Yep. Like chasing fame and chasing being super rich, I mean, is great and all, yeah, but, but you have to find value within the life that you're living. Yeah, and what you need you're to doing. make yourself happy. You know, and you, you, like you were saying, you define it for yourself. You know, if my father, if he was to ever give me just a single lesson, it would always be, you know, do not care what other people think about you. You are living your own life. You know, it does not matter what anybody else has to say. And he lives the lifestyle where he does not care what other people think about him. So, you know, there's definitely lessons to be learned about like how to go about your life and how not to go about your life from, from somebody like him. But, um, definitely having that understanding of, of I'm living my life for me has helped me make a lot of difficult decisions in my life. Um, one being primarily not pursuing a bachelor's degree. I went to UMass Boston for a semester and I was able to pay for it. I have uh, uh, some college savings from my father's parents. Thank you very much uh, to Grandma Bonnie and Papa, if you're listening. And um, I was able to, with their help, mostly put myself through one semester at UMass while living in uh, an off-campus apartment in Boston, um, which was extremely expensive. Um but then I decided while I was there, you know, I don't feel right here. And you know, school is online. Sure, maybe I would have felt different if it was actual in-person classes for when we were moving there. But, you know, I just didn't feel right. I felt like I'm not positive about what I'm doing. Um, 
you know, I feel like I'm spending far too much money uh, for this investment to be worth it right now. Uh, I don't want to take out any debt, you know, and obviously that's inevitable if you are pursuing a bachelor's degree unless you have a crazy amount of savings. Um, so I made the decision after that one semester, I moved back into my house and I got my associate's degree from BCC instead of finishing out my four-year degree at UMass. Um, and I made the decision to not return to a four-year school. Starting next month, I will be taking real estate courses. Um, and real estate's always, you know, a field that I've been very interested in. My mother and father uh, owned 10 units in Pawtucket and East Providence when I was first born. Um, and so I grew up around, you know, them fixing up houses and uh, having tenants and things like that. And that's always been something that I've been very interested in. And so I, I wanted to pursue, I've always wanted to pursue real estate anyway. I decided to make it my priority because I did out the math. And if I wanted to return to UMass, I would have ended up somewhere between like fifty and $60,000 in debt after all my savings was said and done. And I know that's not that much money, you know, for some people, some people go to school and end up with a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. Some people go to school and end up with no debt. But that's like where I was uh, personally, and I just didn't feel comfortable with that number. So I made the decision for myself to not take out those loans and to instead invest my money and my time into pursuing a career in real estate. That decision did not resonate well with a lot of the people in my life. Most primarily, the one that comes uh, to mind right away is my grandfather, who I had said before is literally my best friend on the planet. He's, you know, through all the uh, the difficulties I've had in my life, he's held my hand all the way through it. Even until up until uh, recently, you know, I, I just bought uh, my first car that's, you know, like I put money down and now I have, uh, I'm financing the rest of it. So I have a loan to pay off with a credit union. You know, he helped me get my insurance all set. He helped me get the sale finalized. He helped me get the loan finalized. He's just somebody that like is guiding me through life in the right direction and always has. And um, he was somebody who was very, very outspoken about, wanting me to go back to school and get a four-year degree. And, you know, my whole family knows that for me to do something against my grandfather's recommendation is unheard of. So I kind of just had to, you know, look myself in the mirror and, you know, regardless of what these serious role models in my life are saying, to know within myself, this isn't what's right. I need to, you know, pursue the path that I feel in my heart is what's best for me at this time. And that is pursuing a career in real estate. And obviously, you know, maybe it's safer to get a business management degree from, you know, a good school, and then you start making $60,000 a year right out of college. But something just didn't feel right. And you know, I just had to follow my gut and go with my gut and make it known to everybody that like, you know, I know that you don't agree with what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. And it wasn't an easy thing, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to, to make yourself happy. And that all circles back to what my dad said. You know, got to live your life. You have to you have to make sure that your priorities are first and you're not living, making your decisions, especially serious life changing decisions based on what other people want for you or expect of you. Yeah. Kudos to you for being willing to, like, make that decision, because that is a big decision to make at a young age. And it's always difficult that so many people struggle with that decision, especially nowadays between is college really worth it kind of question yeah. that circulates, especially online nowadays. But I mean, it is something that you have to do is take control of your own life. Like no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to like take you by the hand and show you how to do this. No one's going to show you how to make the music. No one's right. going to show you to get an Apple. No one's going to show you how to get book gigs and all this other stuff. Like no one's going to show me how to do a podcast. No one's going to post my podcast. I have to do it. You got to figure it out. And, there it is. You have to just figure it out. And it's, it sucks. That's a shitty advice, but yeah. like, it's the truth. Like 
people can help you and give you pieces here and there and take what you need, leave what you don't. But the end of the day, it always comes back to you and what you're willing to put into whatever you're doing. Right. And I think once people accept that mindset and like start figuring out, you really got to ask at the end of the day, like you just got to ask yourself, what do you like doing? Yep. And you got to figure it out. Like some people, they figure it out when they're young. Some people figure out middle of the, like early twenties, thirties. Some people don't figure out until their fifties and sixties. Right. Like yeah. you kind of have to just vibe with it. And it's, it's, it's shitty advice, but like, it's the truth. Like, I didn't create a podcast that I was super passionate about until like early to like mid to now I'm getting to my late twenties and I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else other than this now. So it's like kind of going through that. Real estate is really something that I, I do feel passionate about and interested in. Um, and you know, like I said, I did not feel comfortable pursuing a business degree because there was just too much of like, I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing for my life right now. Um, but real estate is always something I was interested in. There's a process called wholesaling real estate. I don't know if you're familiar. No. Um, so essentially what it is is say that there's a broken down house that's in not the best shape for $100,000 just for the sake of the conversation. If I can get that con- house under contract with a back door in case you know it falls through for whatever reason, if I can ha- get that house under contract and then sell it to a flipping company for $120,000 – before that contract expires and I have to back out of the deal because I don't have the $100,000 to pay for it, they cut me a check for $20,000 and I just middleman the transaction between seller and flipping company because, you know, flipping companies aren't always going out of their way looking for, for you know, these rundown houses to buy. I'm sure that there's busy companies and these house sellers are always looking for middlemen to, you know, be the, the deal maker for these companies that would come and fix up a house like that. And even when I was in UMass Boston, I knew I didn't have, it's easier when you have a license, obviously, which is part of the reason I'm pursuing a license. Um, but I would practice, I would go on, you know, Zillow and uh, real estate websites like that and find, you know, beaten down, not in the best shape properties. And I would give the owner a call. And I would say, I'd practice just, you know, and I knew I couldn't get it under contract. And I knew that there was no way that it was going to work out for me connecting him with a, with a company. But I would just try to talk to him about it. I would say, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I'm a middleman. Uh, what I do is I get the house under contract for 30 days. And in those 30 days, I try to, you know, connect you uh, at a profit or a loss, which always for a profit, to with a company that would um, develop your home. And, you know, you, it's not in your hands anymore. And I, I, for a few times, you know, I would get people into a position where they would be interested in moving forward with me. So I was kind of proving to myself, like, all right, I can do this. You know, this is a process where I, you know, might have some natural talent towards. And I, you know, once I get my license and I understand the more legal ins and outs of buying and selling real estate, this is something that I could potentially make a lot of money doing. And I had fun doing it. Like, I had no reason to sit in my apartment in Boston and call property owners to try to, you know, uh, pretend to broker a deal to get him connected with a, uh, a flipping agency. Uh, but I was doing it because it was something I felt passionate about. And, you know, it was, it was that feeling that I had, you know, wanting to practice, wanting to get better at this, um, you know, this, this talent, uh, that kind of proved to myself, I proved to myself that, you know, this is what I want to be doing. And having that feeling inside of me definitely helped me finalize the decision when I decided to tell my whole family, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing. You can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. And I'm glad that you, you brought this up too, to kind of, cause we are getting towards the end of this podcast sure. and I do want to start doing the wrap up stuff as well. But I'm glad you brought up talking about real estate because also separates from the band stuff to show that you can have your passion and have a career as right. well too. And like, 
obviously if the band takes off, you're like gonna go with the band's yeah, probably stuff, course. I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, a fun thing, man. You gotta have you know, and I always say this to people like understand that you gotta be sometimes a little bit realistic with yeah. life and you gotta you gotta find the joy with the life that you're living, like we've talked about. Like if you find passion in real estate, go with that yep. and do that while also doing the band stuff. And I think that's always gonna Definitely. benefit in the long run. But Zach and Tyler right now, um they they are very, you know, gung-ho into the music. And if even if Sue's Garage doesn't work out, they both want careers, you know, somewhere in music because they're just super, super passionate about it. And I respect that about them to death because, you know, that that's a, a very brave thing to do. And, you know, it, it's their true, true passion. I'm sure that they're both going to be very successful wherever they end up. But the way that I look at it, you know, I'm still as committed to the band as they are, but I view it as my plan A-. minus. Because my plan A is, you know, becoming a successful, you know, uh, somewhere in real estate, whether it's an appraiser or a broker, if I have my own company wholesaling, whatever it turns out to be, you know, that's plan A. So have a family and, you know, have a job and make the money and, you know, have the life that I want to have would be fantastic. But like, I, I don't expect the music to hit the streaming platforms and take off on the charts. Um, but if it ever does, then, you know, that'd be great. But that's why it's, you know, a minus because I care about it, like, you know, as much as they do, but it's, it's, I have other priorities that I, I'm also, you know, focusing on simultaneously. Yeah. And I'm glad that I had you on to talk with these things Definitely, Stuff yeah. that I don't know about too. So it's great to like hear that it's real conversations with real people. That's always in the, the mantra of the podcast. Right. So David, we are getting to the end of the podcast. So I do have one more question for you. And that question is. What would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion? To somebody who wants to pursue their passion, I would tell you to take that first step because it's the hardest step to take. Because once you have the ball rolling, you know, it's just, you know, one thing follows another. And as long as you keep with it and you work hard and you truly are passionate about it, you know, good things come to those who wait. Eventually your time will come. You can't care what the people around you are saying, no matter how important they are to you. If it's, you know, your biggest role model or if it's somebody who, you know, has something negative to say about what you're doing at the moment, whether it's something creative, whether it's changing a job path, um, it doesn't matter. You just need to stay true to what you feel inside is right for you and find the courage to no matter who it disappoints, because it might disappoint some people you care about, is to take that first step. Perfect. Love that. I think that's really great advice, especially for people who are afraid to take that first step. That first step is everything. Yeah. Once you take that first step, it all becomes a lot easier, guys. I promise. <laughs> um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Course, this has been blast. a fucking blast. Just like getting to know you because it's our first time yeah. meeting in person and stuff, obviously. Yeah, so this has been great. Check out their music as well. I'll be tagging them in everything that I post on social media. But sure. again, Thank you for coming Thank to the you. podcast. Uh, it'll be Sue's Garage on Spotify and Apple Music. We just released a new six-song EP entitled uh, the, sw oh, the Swing of Things was the first one. The new one's called Everyday Chaos. Check it out where you listen to music. Perfect. And when you guys get ready to try to drop some new music, hit me up and we could try to set up a, a little podcast and promote it some more. Definitely, so man. Sounds we'll do good. That. For you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your grandma. If you like to watch your podcast, Go on YouTube, search The Carol Connection, or Jared M. Carroll should pop up right for you. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can hit me up on Instagram at Jared M. Carroll or at The Carol Connection, and we could set that right up. So, till next time, guys, peace. Peace.